You're listening to CX Confessions, brought to you by Koros. In each episode, we'll share the customer experience stories and insights you need, straight from the sharpest minds in CX, to better connect with your customers and create customers for life. Let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to CX Confessions. I'm your host, Catherine Calvert, Chief Marketing Officer for Koros, joined as always by the most amazing co-host in the industry, Mr. Spike Jones. How are you doing, Spike? I'm doing fantastic. Excited about this talk today. Very much looking forward to it. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Spike, as you all know, our devoted listeners is the GM of our Strat Services business. Our amazing guest today is Jessica Jensen, CMO of Indeed. Of course, everybody knows Indeed. It is the world's largest job site, matching seekers and employers, companies of all stripes across verticals. So this is a business focused on creating opportunity. They have an amazing leader in Jess who joined the company, I think it's just just under a year. So this is, they're lucky to have her, I'll tell you that, because Jess brings a wealth of experience. She's a brand innovator. She was most recently at the Booking Holding family, where she was SVP of marketing for Kayak, the travel company, and also CMO at Open Table. She, before that, has spent time at Facebook. She worked on Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Prior to Facebook, or Meta, maybe I should say, prior to Meta, she held senior positions at Apple and Yahoo, and this rock star started her career at the Boston Consulting Group. So I've never heard of any of these brands, by the way. I don't, I mean, I don't know where we get these guests. Yeah, I mean, she definitely, she she's always liked to stay at low profile companies now. She is bringing a ton of energy and brilliance to Indeed. We are excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, Catherine, anytime I get to spend with you is a joy. You are such a phenomenal marketing leader and human. And Spike, great to get some time with you and your audience. So I really appreciate you having me join you. We are so excited to have you here. And one of the, one of the many reasons, in addition to being one of my idols and a good pal. I don't think I've earned that, Catherine. Let's, I'm going to check out a high bar. It's true. But in addition to all of that good stuff, one of the things that Spike and I talk a lot about with our guests on the show is the difference between B2B marketing and B2C marketing. And is there really a difference at all And I know that you have spent a career working across both of those distinctions, whether they're real or not. I'm so curious to hear your take on what it means to be a B2B marketer, a B2C marketer, or as a brand, should you even be thinking about these distinctions? That is a rich vein indeed. And I still am trying to not use Indeed in that way. I'm still trying to use it as only a brand and not as a part of my vernacular. And obviously, you can see I'm still struggling with that. I think of marketing as B2P, business to people. And I think that the distinction, there are, of course, important distinctions, right? If you're selling nuclear submarines to the Navy, that's a pretty distinctive B2B audience. But most things are selling to people and people are emotional and logical and irrational. And they're all looking for simple, clear offerings that also pull at their heartstrings. And I think that those of us who have spent a long time in B2B might say that we sometimes lose the heartstring 
or lose the focus on simplicity. And that really the discipline of good consumer marketing is the same as good B2B marketing, which is based on insights, clarity of offering, and storytelling and emotion. So I think it's kind of one delicious soup pot. I, I was told a long time ago, and I don't know if this holds water. I didn't know if it holds water then. I don't know if it holds water now, but I always was told like B2B and B2B marketing, those people want information. They want to get better and smarter at their jobs. And then business to consumer marketing is like, they just want stuff. Give me some free stuff. I mean, do, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think I think information is key in both areas. And certainly in, in a B2B context, I would say the bar for clear, useful information is probably in some cases higher, but we tend to bludgeon customers with information, right? Like I would say that in my travels through the marketing landscape, I've seen an incredible amount of information bludgeoning. And that's something I really work with my teams on. It's violent, but it is a powerful image. Yeah, I like that. Maybe it's maybe it's just drowning, not bludgeoning. I could make it slightly less violent. It's not, it's, I don't know if that's better. And then, you know, consumers are a rich and complex group of humans. And sometimes they want cheap stuff. And sometimes they want the best. And so, you know, I mean, so I think, you know, we're always trying to get to audience insights that allow us to land the plane in the best way possible. And I think one nuance from my career that may be interesting to some people or incredibly tedious, depending on their point of view. I've spent a great period of time in marketplace businesses, right? So you have B2C and B2B consumers and businesses in the flywheel together. So everybody that we were selling to at Facebook, Instagram, Messenger was also a human being using those platforms as people, right? So they bring all of their biases, all of their misunderstandings, their likes, their dislikes, to their B2B experience with us, right? Open table. We sell to restaurants as a business, and then all of them also use open table as a consumer. Indeed, we sell to we sell to employers who run, you know, are single proprietors or giant enterprises, and most of them have engaged with Indeed as a job seeker at some point. So you're constantly you know, thinking about the messaging and the positioning across the marketplace, which I find wonderfully complex and exciting, but harder to get right. I was going to say, I think that when you, I love the idea of B2P, right? That whatever we are selling, whichever side of the B2B, B2C you sit on to do it well, you just have to know who you're talking to. And whether it is a huge group of consumers that have a certain profile, what do they care about? What do they need? This, the questions you ask about developing a simple and clear message that adds value, those questions are the same. The answers are going to be very different. Well said. That couldn't agree more. I was curious. I think this leads into a notion you touched on of the consumerization of business, right? Everybody, we saw this, we're of an age, Jess, where we remember when, you know, enterprise software was horrible and ugly and not intuitive and it didn't matter because it was software. And then that has become a real way to table stakes, really. People expect their business software to be as intuitive as the stuff they use on their phone. And that, I think, is related to what you were talking about, about that bleeding of 
the business versus the person who's actually buying it versus the person who's experiencing it. And that gets into one of our favorite topics, which is CX and customer experience overall. So very curious about somebody who has spent their life roughly on the marketing side with a strong business angle there. Where did that notion of CX first come into your vernacular and how does it, what does it really mean to you? Yeah, you know, it's funny, I was reflecting on this topic. And I think you and I and and maybe Spike are, I I was soaking in CX before it was CX, right? So I, I was, I was in management consulting for six years with BCG. I did CX all day, every day. That was literally my, my life's mission. And then I think, you know, then Yahoo, Apple, variety of places, it means different things. And it has evolved very much. And I think, we now think of it as kind of like the way we think of brand. It is the entirety of the experience, right? It's all of the touch points. It's everything from, you know, at Indeed, it's everything from you as a small business person posting a job on our site, advertising it, receiving candidates, using screener assessment tests, like all of that, all the way to making offers and tracking hires, like all of that has to be so intuitive, so simple, so clear. And I really thank mobile devices for pushing us in this arena. Like the real estate that we have to blather at people is so limited now. And I think that that forces great marketing discipline and product discipline, right? Which all goes hand in hand. But yeah, I mean, we, you know, I think CX is maybe still a relative new term on, uh, you know, on my 25 years in the internet, but I think the way it has gotten so much richer in terms of personalization and what we can deliver to people at very different places is so exciting. And so, you know, we work with job seekers around the world and that's everyone from accountants to truck drivers to warehouse workers, to nurses, to tech, you know, engineering. So we are dealing with literally humanity (laughs) and all of the jobs and all of the interests of humans. So the level of content specificity and messaging specificity and the platforms we use and the media we use is so nuanced by country and industry and size of industry. It's a lot to ingest and manage and think about, but the tools that we have to do that personalization is just mind-bogglingly amazing compared to whatever, you know, six, seven years ago, even when, you know, we were still very much in the mobile digital era, but at a very different level of capabilities, as, as you know, better than anyone. Well, I think we'll talk about data in a minute or two, but I would love as you now that you're at Indeed, and and I think that point about this just massive reservoir of information and how to use it carefully and thoughtfully and respectfully, you have this really powerful mission, right? You're there to help people get jobs. So how do you think about CX and engagement, customer engagement, when you have you know, a pretty complex, let alone incredibly diverse set of customers, quote unquote. Right. And customers for us is, of course, job seekers and employers. And so it's, we have, we have 250 million people coming to us every month looking for jobs. 
So gives you an idea of the complexity of who those humans are, their, their needs, their skills, what they're looking for in jobs. And then also for employers, it's everyone from the largest hirers in the world to Bob's Pizza in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Possibly a real business. I don't know. I just made that up. And if Bob's out there, your pizza's amazing. But yeah, I mean, we are constantly, you know, we, we have a massive operation around doing customer research, both employers and job seekers, and always mining for insights. I was, I'll just share an anecdote. I was on a really interesting job seeker UX review recently where they had done a ton of video interviews with Hispanic, Spanish language job seekers in the US. And they, I thought this was so fascinating. They typically want information about jobs in Spanish language. But if a job listing, a job posting is in Spanish, they think it is a lower quality or lower paid job. Wow. Wow. So they want, they want to look at job listings in English because the perception with them is that those are higher quality jobs, but then they want the information to be available in Spanish. So anyway, just an, just a, a tiny example of like things that you would never understand, but that when you really dig into the experience, oh, we also did videos recently of mothers looking for jobs. And basically, if you're a working mother, you know that you are a human jungle gym and a worker. And these women were literally physically trying to dislodge themselves from their children during live video interviews. <laughs> so I'm sure people on this call have, have had that experience. And when you see the video captures of these things, you're like, that is a very specific experience that we as marketers need to reflect and acknowledge and incorporate. There's a couple of standard questions that we ask all of our guests, and I, they're, they're my favorite questions of, of the whole program. One is, what is a commonly held belief or an industry practice that you just don't think is right? You just don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. Well, in addition to B2C and B2B being B2P, I would say that I, in my travels, I have often seen performance marketing and brand as these kinds of maybe silos or different undertakings. And you got a brand team putting all this great stuff out and you got a performance team doing all this stuff. And if those things are aligned and coordinated, that would be wonderful. They often aren't. And I also just don't believe that they are radically different disciplines. I believe in brand formance. I believe that brand marketing can and should drive business outcomes and that it is often not used to its full potential to achieve those business outcomes. And I believe that performance marketing has to integrate brand and storytelling and humanity in a way that it often doesn't. So I'm constantly trying to drive those disciplines closer to each other. So that makes me wonder, let's use a real world example. I was watching the news and I saw some beautiful new ads from Indeed that made me very proud to know you. And I would love to hear how you brought those to market through the lens of what you were just talking about, brand formants. Well, I thank, thank you so much. I appreciate you calling them out and, and liking them. Yeah. So this is the, we have an SMB targeted campaign called I Need Indeed, and it focuses on 
different people in different industries trying to hire people for their small businesses. So it can be an auto mechanic. There's a woman who runs a kayaking company. There's restaurant owners. So it's really like trying to address the very different but real needs of business owners in different sectors. And then also they do double duty, right? Because job seekers also see them and realize that we service all of these different industries and that there are employers actively looking for them and their skills. So the brand message is indeed is an amazing hiring platform. And really, you probably need it if you are a job seeker or an employer. And then we are also driving direct small business acquisition. That there's a place for you. It doesn't have to be that you're hiring a thousand new people in a contact center you're looking for. I saw the kayak one, I think, last night. (laughs) Yeah, it's a woman kayak company owner. Yeah, it's a fun one. Yes, she does. She's running a very cool business, but I also wanted to help her. She, I felt her need. Yes, she was compelling. We are also running the ads in Spanish language as well for the Hispanic audience. Okay, super cool. Well, this might get, I think this leads us to our next question, but it might, you might have a different answer. I'm always curious about how you think about ad performance and to make an investment at that scale. What's the data that you watch? But big picture, Spike said, what are, we always ask that question. What is that we're all drowning in data to bring back another metaphor of death? Oh, there's so much data though. And sometimes it does feel like we're downing. So I, we, we love to hear from our guests. What's the, the info, the data that matters most to you to be successful in your day-to-day, week-to-week job? I think probably this will ring true for you and, and people tuning in. Most businesses are trying to track too many things. And, you know, when I came in, the OKRs across marketing were probably, there's probably 50 of them, some for SMB, some for enterprise, some for job seeker, do, 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 do. And, you know, most of them are meaningful in some way. But for me as a CMO and for my senior leadership team, we have gotten it down to six, right? Like the the overall health of the business and our marketing efforts go into six metrics. I'm not going to bore you and tell you what they all are. But I mean, I think, you know, we are trying to, we are focused on excellent matching, matching of job seekers and their skills with employers and what employers need. So we care about brand awareness and equity at the highest level. And we look at that by SMB and enterprise and job seeker. But then the actual metrics that we are tracking are the business metrics for getting job seekers to join our network, upload a resume, and be engaged with the matching and interviewing process. And then for employers, are we bringing you the right candidates with the skills that you need? And that's not so many metrics, right? You know, I mean, it's, you know, there's things below that qualified leads and, you know, good stuff underneath that. But at the highest level, we're trying to focus on fewer things that critically drive the business. I dig it. And so uh, there's, uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but making, you know, like you said, kind of cutting through the clutter and really looking and focusing on those two big things. I mean, that's your business. That's your entire business, right? So it's not the it's not just the, the quantity, but it's absolutely the quality uh, from both sides, which is cool to see. 
Now, you've had an illustrious career. And it's that, con- that career journey is still going, which is amazing. Still rowing the boat, rowing the boat. Still rowing the boat, rowing the boat. I like it. But I would love to hear about a hard lesson maybe you have learned along the way that you learned from and then made better the next time. Nothing, Spike. I've got it iced. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We appreciate your time. On today's episode of CX Confessions, no confession. We found the bulletproof CMO. No, I think you don't have enough hours in your year to hear about my stumbles and confessions. I ran a startup into the ground so we could go back to that one. No, I mean, I think on the CX front, right? Like if I, if I look back over the last handful of companies, we overestimate particularly B2B customers' ability to ingest and understand information. And I would say that the vast majority of product marketers I have worked with get very focused on a specific feature set or product And the way that they explain things reflects their own knowledge of that small part of the puzzle. And if you sat down with a customer and said, of our 17 products, I'm just making that number up, you know, do you really understand the difference between this and this and how this feature ladders to this group? I just think I have had so many cases, Facebook, Apple, everywhere, where you're like, this makes perfect sense to us. Surely you get it too. And some of my favorite stories are rolling out Messenger and WhatsApp at two businesses at the same time and trying to explain to them how they're different, how they're the same. Why should you care? What would you use one for? And why does your company own two messaging platforms? which is still a fun question. And I love all of my friends at Meta and wish them the best. But I just think like pulling up out of our own marination in products is really critical and hard to do. Yeah, that internalization. I mean, I used to, years ago, I worked at a branding company. And anytime we present a new logo and colors, there always, there'd be someone in the room and be like, well, my, that, my, my son goes to this high school and the, the rival high school's colors are that. So I don't, I don't think those are good colors. Like, I don't care. That, but that internalization is always just something that we have to divorce ourselves from for sure. But that knowledge of the product, especially. Right. I, and that's, I think, uh, something I try to talk to, try to reinforce with our product team and product marketers is just because we built it doesn't mean we have to talk about it, right? What is the, why should anybody care? Why should it, how did we make, how did we make someone's life easier, better, more successful with this capability? Which is exactly B to P. Yes. I'm going to steal that line. Full circle. Just because we built it doesn't mean we need to talk about it. Yes. All right. I mean, so much goodness. I can't believe we're nearing the end of our conversation. Spike, check me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure this is the first one where we've, where I've ever heard us use these three words, blather, bludgeon, and brandformance. That is the triple, is the hat trick, the hat trick of podcasts right there. Amazing. Triple B crown. We got it. Triple B crown. It's like she was playing a game somewhere. She's like, I'm going to get all three words into this conversation. Amazing. Now, that's just emblematic of the amazing 
and hilarious person that Jess Jensen is. And we always do like to wrap up our podcast with a little bit more of the you, the P, the person behind this. So are you ready to play five questions? I certainly am. Awesome. Okay. Our very first question is, what was your first concert? Well, Catherine, this will date me more than almost anything. I saw Rat and Billy Squire in Kansas City in the early 80s. Wow. Two T's for those so, of you rat following with two T's, Thank you. Home. Appreciate that. Round and round, classic. Round and round. That's right. That's right. It was a quality, quality item there. And they're back. Is that is it the Geico commercials they're back in? We have rats. Oh, are they? Oh, yes. Yeah, we have, we have a rat. Right. Yeah, it's so funny. So funny. Okay, how about your first job? First job, cafe, busser, waitress, cashier, doing all of the things at a coffee shop in San Diego called The Panican, which still stands. Were you, what, did you excel at one of those three? Would you have a favorite? I think, I, well, I, I ended up becoming a, the manager my senior year of high school. And I would say managing stoner dishwashers was quite a long suit for me. Were they also rat fans? I would say they were, they were more in the Rasta category than oh, the so rat Grateful Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some, yep. Yeah. Yep. A, lot of, a lot of reggae playing back there. Yep. Maybe informed by that, maybe not. But if you couldn't do what you're doing today, what profession would you attempt? Fiction writer. Ooh. No blathering in that book. I, uh, not a bit of blathering. I dabbled in fiction and poetry in college and grad school and hope to go back to it in my less employed years. That's fantastic. How about your favorite app on your phone right now? I play a lot of charades with my daughter. A lot of, lot of phone charades. I'm trying to remember that. What's the name? Something charades. Oh, I have used Heads Up. Heads Up is fun. Heads Up is really fun. And then I'm just a total... Facebook, Instagram junkie as well. I have to check that out. I'm having trouble picturing how that works. So I'm going to find out about that online. It's really fun. Yeah. Okay. We've been doing that at family dinners sometimes when the conversation lulls or to get my children off their phones, table charades. So you only have to stay in your chair, but you have to act out. the. Can I share a really fun thing to do at dinner with your family that my friend shared that we've copied? It's called Bubble Up, Bubble Down. Everybody goes around and you bubble up the highlight from your day and you bubble down the thing that was kind of a bummer. But it's just a good framework to get people talking about the good, bad, and the ugly. We really like it. Bubble up, bubble down. We, uh, my sister-in-law introduced us to that, but it's, uh, we do rose and the thorn. What was your rose? What was your thorn? What was your rose? Speaking of poetic. Okay. Last question. Now I'm getting hungry for dinner. What is your biggest indulgence? Napping. I am a giant napper. That is such a good one. Before COVID, like I was, that was our, that was our jam. But now that with the, like the commute time's gone, I'm getting like eight hours of sleep a night. Like napping is kind of gone by the wayside. I need to pick that back up. Uh, I, I would recommend reintegrating it. Yeah. I take a Saturday nap. I take a Sunday nap. Yes. And then I try to work like typically like after my Europe and California calls end, I maybe have a little window before Japan wakes up. So it's the pre-Tokyo cat nap. <laughs> that might be a good name for a band, actually. Pre-Tokyo cat nap is an awesome band name. 
<laughs> oh, this was everything I hoped and dreamed. You are so wonderful to be here with us. Thank you, Jess. So great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us your perspective, letting us get all get to know you. Thank you. I got great nuggets from you guys too. Yeah, it was really lovely. Thank you so much. So fun. Spike, I told you she was going to be amazing. I mean, you got to have her back. And again, I'm going to refer to the Marvel character, the JJ. I mean, come on. That's just Yes, cool too, Jessica so. Jensen, such a superhero name. Someone once said to me, oh, you're like Connie Chung, a news anchor. No. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to go with superhero. Marvel superhero, right? Or DC. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so everybody. You Thank you, Jess. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to our loyal listeners. And we hope you spread the word. We have great stories to tell and we welcome all of your feedback. So stay tuned for our next episode. And thanks so much for listening in. Your customers expect to be understood. Their likes and dislikes, their history with your brand and their communication preferences. But so many companies struggle to connect the dots of interaction across their own teams and channels, and it's creating customer experience challenges and disasters. That's where Koros can help. Koros is the award-winning customer engagement platform built to turn those siloed interactions with your customer into enterprise value. Koros works with more than 2,000 of the world's leading brands and powers more than 500 million digital interactions every day. Koros is the award-winning platform for digital-first customer engagement. Ready to create human connection across the digital customer experience to create customers for life? Learn more at koros.com. Thanks for listening to CX Confessions, brought to you by Koros. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player and give us a rating. See you next time.